0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com you know what? It's easy, isn't it, to get our eyes off the Lord. When you get your eyes off the Lord, then fear comes into our heart, and then comes doubt and unbelief, but we are people of hope. And what we're looking at in the book of Revelation here is uh, just the message of the great battle that's coming at the end of the age. You're saying, Pastor Jim, if I'm looking for bad news, I don't need to come to church on Sunday morning, right? But the book of Revelation is just this amazing understanding that God says the day is coming when I am going to wrap everything up and that the Lord is helping us to understand that we are engaged in a battle that is a battle that's been going on from the very beginning. So that when Adam and Eve fell, it happened by the hand of Satan himself, came to tempt them, and then the prophecy went over Eve, and that must have just infuriated Satan. When the prophecy came that there is coming a Messiah, and that the seed of the woman, a prophecy about the Messiah coming would crush the head of the serpent, Satan. And so we're looking at this great battle, this great struggle, and as we're looking at the book of Revelation, I think it's very timely for us to look at it to know that God is in control. In the end, God wins, but in the meantime, you and I are to occupy until he comes. We are here to fight the good fight of faith. We are here to battle. We're here to pay the price. We're here to do whatever it takes to see that the light of God and the righteousness of the Lord will be revealed upon the earth. So God is good, isn't he? Yes. And what we're looking at in the book of Revelation in chapter 13, we had some the characteristics um, of some of the people that are gonna be end time players. We had the, we already discussed the sun clothed woman who was a picture of the nation of Israel. Out of the woman would be born a child and this child, the dragon would be waiting to consume the child, but it would be caught up. This is a beautiful picture of the Messiah, Jesus Christ coming out of the nation of Israel. The male child being born, of course, that is the key player and that Jesus Christ, the one who was born in the manger This is such a beautiful picture in the book of Revelation. It reminds us of the humility of the Messiah, born to be a baby, born like us, man. He's just flesh and blood. And yet, God loved us so much that he became flesh. But he becomes the great victor. We read about the archangel, the remnant. We had studied that as well. Now, what I want to do today is I want to talk about the last two characters that we're going to find out in the book of Revelation that the Lord reveals. One is in John the Apostle's vision, he sees a beast coming up out of the sea. And then the other thing that he sees is a beast that comes up out of the earth. So this idea of a beast, you know, what you're picturing when you think of a beast, you're probably right. This is a vicious kind of animal. He can't even recognize it, and it's actually a conglomeration of all the Empires and tyrants, who you have ever seen, they are all wrapped up into one. So I want us to read in Revelation chapter 13. I'm gonna start reading in verse one. It says this. And the dragon, remember that Satan, has been cast out of heaven, stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having 10 horns and seven heads. And on his horns were 10 crowns, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power and his throne and great authority. And I saw one of the heads as it had been fatally wounded, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. They worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who was like the beast and who was able to wage war with him? A mouth was given to him speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months, three and a half years. And he opened his mouth and blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given to him over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All who live on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written since the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who has been slaughtered. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. And Father, I pray that you would come and that you would anoint the word of the Lord. And God, I pray that you would give us ears to be able to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Lord, Holy Spirit, you are always welcome here. So I pray that you would just fall upon the hearts of each person that's here. We're here, Lord, not in vain, but to encounter you, the risen Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here we have the dragon. He's on the seashore. We find out that he's cast during this seven years of trouble that's come upon the earth halfway through the tribulation period, three and a half years we find out that God is saying, I'm gonna begin the process of cleaning up the heavens and the earth. Yes, Satan does have access to heaven right now whenever he goes to tempt any one of us. We have a beautiful picture in the book of Job that he has to get permission from God, so he has access to go in and out. But when God begins to clean up the heavens and the earth, and I'm not saying that heaven is defiled like the earth, I'm just saying Satan, who once was the chief archangel, he's not allowed to tempt us above what we are able to stand. But God will make in that temptation a way of escape. So, Satan, three and a half years, he's cast out of heaven. We find him as the dragon here. He's standing on the seashore while this huge beast comes up out of the sea. As I said, he shows all the different characteristics of the great empires of the world the Babylonian, the Medo Persian, the Greek, and the Roman Empire. And he's coming up out of this, and it's a terrifying image that we have. And as we're looking at this picture right here, we realize that he has multiple heads, multiple crowns. There's so much of him that looks like the dragon. Can I remind everybody right here, the beautiful revelation of the Trinity is actually going to be imitated by, by, the, by Satan. Satan in the Garden of Eden asked Eve, you know, just, just eat of the fruit. One act of obedience towards me and God doesn't want it because then you'll be like him. This whole desire was coming out of the heart of Satan. He wanted to be like the most high God. He wanted to be him, and his heart was filled with pride, and in that place, see, we have another picture that at the end of time, he's going to want to be like God. He's going to want to be like the three-in-one. The dragon, Satan himself, wants to be God the Father, but he's actually the anti-God. The Antichrist who comes up out of the earth, the false Messiah that the world is going to embrace. For seven years, they're going to give him allegiance. He, he is satan's messiah but he's the antichrist we have the anti-god the antichrist and then we're going to look today at another prophet that rises up the prophetic gift comes by the power of the holy spirit so he will imitate the false prophet the holy spirit so here in the book of revelation you have the anti-god the antichrist and the anti-Holy Spirit, because Satan's not a creator. He can't come up with an original idea. He came out of God's desire to make the angels, and he was the greatest of them all, but he cannot create ideas on his own. All he can do is imitate, and he tries at the end of time to imitate everything. He was predicted to come, this Antichrist. Now here, this is what we have to understand. So many of the prophecies about Jesus the Messiah came true, absolutely came true. Why would we receive those and then not receive the prophecies of an Antichrist that's going to come to the earth. The Bible it prophesies him for, for hundreds of years, even you could say for thousands of years if we go back from our point of view today. But he has been called the king of Babylon. He's been called the Assyrian. He's called Lucifer, called the little horn. He's called the king of fierce countenance, the prince that shall come, the willful king, the man of destruction, the son of destruction. He's called that lawless one. John calls him antichrist and here we find he's called the beast when we look at these different revelations that come on about the the antichrist the prophet isaiah 700 years before the coming of christ prophesied concerning him when we look at this passage right here in the book of isaiah we we read this i saw one of his heads as if it had been fatally wounded And I'm sorry, I read the wrong one. But with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the humble of the earth. That's talking about the Messiah. He will be righteous, he'll judge the poor, and he'll be fair. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay Now your Bible might say the wicked, but actually if you look at the original language there it says the Messiah is coming with the breath of his lip, he will slay the wicked one. That's in the Singular, Isaiah chapter eleven, verse four. The apostle Paul said this: "The lawless, not one, will be revealed, whom the Lord will eliminate with the breath of His mouth." We find out in both of these instances that an antichrist is coming. He will be lawless. He will do his own thing. He will be vicious, and God is merely just going to go, and he's going to be gone. He will be destroyed by the breath of the mouth of God. Isaiah fourteen, verses four to seven. Then you will taunt the king of Babylon and say how the oppressor has ceased and how the onslaught has ceased. The Bible says right there that that's going to be the words of the kings of the earth. They're going to say, who is this one that we were so afraid of because merely by the breath of God he was brought down. You know, I just want to say this. And this is just coming out of the heart of one I want to share with you we are not called the fear the countenances of man we should not have the fear of man we should not have the fear of the enemy we should not have the fear of stepping out in obedience and whatever God has called us to do because the truth of the matter is this is that you carry the spirit of God and by the breath of God you can declare that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world and Jesus is the one who is helping us to understand that the battle has been raging since the very beginning of time and Christ is the one is going to be re- victorious i want to remind everyone as well that we were taught in the scriptures that this antichrist cannot rise up until the one who is restrained who is removed who is the one who is restrained It's the Holy Spirit who's active in the church. The prayers of the saints hold back the power of darkness. The prayers of the saints today keep the Antichrist from being fully manifested. You are saying to yourself, why didn't Satan try this strategy a very long time ago? Because God had this vision, God had this purpose for the church. He calls it the time of the Gentiles where suddenly the prophecies of the Jewish nation are gonna be embraced by those that aren't even of the Jewish covenant and that they will be a praying people and that they will seek the Lord. And so even as we get closer to this day, it is the role of the church to pray. And then when the church is caught up by the rapture, the trumpet sound, the Lord Jesus Christ coming and getting us, those who have been washed clean in his blood, when the Holy Spirit and the prayers of the saints are pulled up out of the earth, and that is how evil can be released in such a way. And so when John saw this beast coming up out of the sea, he said, I saw one of its heads as if it had been fatally wounded. So when we realize this, we're looking at this picture, and here we have this Antichrist. He starts out being extremely charismatic, being, being able to, through deceit and cunning, the Bible says, be able to attract the leaders of the world and the people of the world. What's been amazing to me over the last three years is how easily people come under a figure or a structure that will demand or mandate that they do something, and then they follow. And Jesus recognized it. He said, people are like a, are a sheep, like a sheep without a shepherd. They will follow anything. So when you imagine this, that this great charismatic leader suddenly rises, and, he, and he's a brilliant strategist <laughs> militarily, and he's also a great politician. He's a great charismatic leader. He can speak well. Out of his mouth come all these all these great and flowery words. And it's amazing to me if someone can just say it nice or beautifully or well, everybody will just run after it. They don't even look at the character and the nature, and that's part of the human nature. That's because man has been separated from God. They don't know who they are, they have no identity. And and because people don't know Christ, they're constantly like, who can I be like? Who's better, who's greater? Like, who's someone that I'm not? And when they see someone who can pre- create an illusion of personal greatness, other people say, I want to make him happy. I want to follow him. I want to be like him. I want to do everything that he asks us to do. And by that, the, you can have, you can have uh, multitudes being manipulated, and that's what he does. But here we find out that in the revelation of this beast coming up out of the sea, the Antichrist, that one of his heads is wounded. wounded. Now, when we think about that, that that's a, um, a revelation in Revelation chapter 13, verse 14, he deceives those who live on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who live on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. Now, let me just explain this to all of us. The Bible just says this. I just read a passage a little bit further, and that's about the false prophet that's going to come. And he's going to tell everybody, follow the beast who is wounded in the head. Follow the beast who is wounded in the head. And you're asking yourself, well, what does that have to do do with? Well, I want to remind you, first of all, the prophecy was that Jesus Christ the Messiah was going to come and wound The serpent in the head but you know what he's going to kind of turn that on his heels because what it tells us in the book of revelation that it appeared as though as if he had been wounded in his head so now maybe maybe he actually did die i don't know i don't believe that satan has the power to give life i don't know if he could inhabit a dead body Because we realize that Satan is cast out of the heaven and at some point the Antichrist receives what the world believes is a mortal wound. Of course he does. Why? Because he's a great imitator. And if Christ was wounded on the cross and he died and he rose again on the third day, then why wouldn't the false Messiah, the Antichrist, do such a thing that it would appear to the world as if he had been wounded in the head and that he is going to have a false resurrection and cause the whole world to be impressed. He's going to be able to walk in miracles, signs, wonders. It's going to be an incredibly confusing time for people unless we had the word of the Lord to instruct us. When John the Baptist got confused about Jesus and sent his disciples and said, Are you the one or should we look for another? And tell, he said, Tell John while he's in prison. The blind are seen, the lame are walking, the dead are being raised uh, and being given back to to their families. As we look at that passage right there, Jesus was saying, look, I'm showing the signs of the power of God. But during these last days, man, during this Antichrist, by the power of Satan, he's actually gonna do wonders. And that's why even today, as we get closer to this event, today is a day for discernment. Today is the day for people to understand. You have to be led by the Spirit of God. Some things look really good right now, but they aren't. You and I have to be filled with the Word of God. We've gotta be looking at the real so that we will recognize the counterfeit. We have to be in the Word, in the Spirit, in prayer, constantly dwelling on an awareness of the presence of the Lord and anticipating his return. So this fake resurrection happens. The whole earth is amazed. And and then in 13.3, this will be the work of the dragon who has been cast out of heaven. He will inhabit, he will... He will manipulate this one for three and a half years who makes a covenant treaty with the nation of Israel, makes everybody in the world think this is a really nice guy. He's really kind. We need to all follow him. When Satan is cast out of heaven, the wounded head is healed, and that man then is inhabited by the power of Satan, even the same way Jesus says, as, as I am in the Father, the Father is in me. The Antichrist will have the same relationship with Satan that Christ had with his Heavenly Father. So that's amazing. He's going to switch, and when he switches at, in, in three and a half years as the Antichrist, when he switches, that which was nice will become vicious, it'll break covenant with the Jewish people, and he'll set up an idol in the temple for people to worship him, the temple in Jerusalem. So he presents, and, and for, by the way, also, I want you to know, I believe that during those first three and a half years, we say that you say there's no temple right now, but this one is going to restore Israel to uh, a grace from the surrounding nations I believe is the one who's gonna rebuild the temple. And so then he's gonna establish the temple, the worship in the temple, and then he'll set up an idol uh, uh, to himself. It's the same kind of idol look. It's the golden calf in the north and south of Israel. It's the same kind of idolatry that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up an image into himself. And if you didn't follow it, you were cast into the fiery furnace. We see that mankind's inclinations have never changed. They love idolatry. And so, um, and and very quickly here, I don't want to run out of time. In Daniel chapter seven, verse 25, let me read for you this, because I want you to think, uh, to understand, this is not just John, the apostle, having a dream one night. Daniel saw the same thing. He said, he, the Most High, he will speak against the Most High, Daniel prophesying about an Antichrist. He will speak against the Most High and will wear down the saints of the whole highest one. He will intend to make alterations in times and in laws, and they will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time, three and a half years. So there's the prophecy again. He'll have so much influence that he's going to even change the... the, the um, The holidays and the celebrations of the nations that all be brought under one global expression of celebrations, feasts, and holidays. Daniel chapter eight, verse 25, through his shrewdness, he will make deceit a success. And he will make himself great in his own mind. How many of you met people like that? And he will destroy many while they were at ease. He will even oppose the prince of princes. So what Daniel prophesied is that when the Antichrist comes, he is going to make Jesus Christ to be the problem that humanity has been facing for all these years. He will oppose him in such a way. Daniel chapter 11, verse 36. This king will do as he pleases. He will exalt himself and boast against every god and will speak dreadful things against the God of gods. The Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter two. It says this, who opposes and exalts himself over every God or object of worship so that he takes a seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. The one who's coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power, false signs, and wonders. And you're asking yourself, you know, how did they do that? Well, I don't understand completely, but how did Moses, having been giving a sign of taking a staff and casting it on the floor and it turned into a serpent as a sign that God was with him, what happened next? Then the magicians cast their rods in the ground and they turned into snakes. And it was an uh, an idea of duplicating everything that the man of God was doing to give Credibility to themselves, but then we find out that Moses' snake ended up eating the snakes of the musicians. What was that a foreshadow of? It was a foreshadow of this, is that Christ came, did miracles and signs and wonders. Satan is going to come and he's going to duplicate as much as he can, but then ultimately Christ is going to come and he's going to take down the dragon. Can you say amen? Amen. Say, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Oh man, let's walk in that spirit of faith and boldness and confidence in this day in this day, we need that. Revelation 13, let's look at the second beast here. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb. Now isn't that amazing, this beast looks like a lamb. People are just gonna think, "Oh, isn't he sweet? But he spoke as a dragon. He exercises, as it says, all authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who live on it worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of people. And he deceives those who live on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who live on the earth to make an image of the beast who had the wound of the sword, And has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the images, to the image of the beast beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause all who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. And he decrees that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of man, and his number is 666. So here we find that the Antichrist is going to have his own prophet. He's going to speak on behalf of the Antichrist, and he's going to attract the world to him. So the Antichrist is going to come with some kind of backup. So we're looking at all of this, we're realizing and by the way, this week, chapter fourteen, I've done in daily devotionals Monday through Friday. So we're not going to do that on a Sunday morning. so watch those online. But we realize that during this time that the leading, the leading demonstration of um, this unleashing of wickedness is, that the whole world, it says, will become immoral. It will become perverted. It will become sexually twisted. Well, we're recognizing what's happening right now in the United States is, should be firing us up and saying, you know, I I don't want the devil to have anything in me. We gotta be men and women who, who resist the immorality, the fornication, the sexuality, and the perversion that's going on in the air today. Our governor invited the Disney come here to the state of Colorado. You know, come on up here, we'll endorse, we'll we'll back you up. And by the way, did you notice that he said we don't we don't meddle in businesses, but they meddled with our school, didn't they? Right? They messed with us for 6 months, yep. threatening jail and all of that. So don't tell me that the state of Colorado doesn't meddle. But in the middle of all of that, what we have to understand too is that sexual perversion and immorality will be the, the leading um, and it will become the new morality so that what is evil will be declared to be good and what is good will be declared to be evil. And that's where we're fighting at right now. What's going on in our public school system is the Babylonian false antichrist System that wants to pervert a generation of children. That's all it is. And it wants to overthrow God's plan. And we find out in all of this that this beast looked like a lamb, it looked like it was sweet, it was shrouded in love. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the love. we're We're the people of love. And yet his words were the words of a dragon. And that's what we need to be aware of. That's the battle in which you and I are facing. And I'm telling you, we can expect until the church is caught up into the presence of the Lord, we can expect that God has called us to occupy until he comes And in the meantime, we are to pray and we are to advance. The book of Revelation is not written so that we can sit back and say, oh, Jesus, please come back. No, this is a call to arms. This is a call. Jesus said the violent take the kingdom by force. And it's not talking about the violence that we see in the streets. It's talking about a violence of faith, a violence of determination, and the violence of saying no. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just giving back a strong no, no, no. And that's what we have um, going on in the last days when it fully manifests. This is just a beautiful picture of the nature of the spiritual battle that we're in that we're that we're in right now. This this um, second beast is called the false prophet in Revelation sixteen thirty three. I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits. So he's called, so let's identify the second beast is. The false prophets, so we have Satan is active on the earth, cast out of heaven. We have the Antichrist inhabited by Satan during the second part of the seven-year period, the last three and a half years. And then we also have this false prophet who's speaking on behalf of the Antichrist. He will be a man associated with the dragon and Antichrist. Jesus foresaw these two. He saw the Antichrist, and he saw... The false prophet, when he said in Matthew 24, verse 24, false Christs and false prophets will arise and will provide great signs and wonders. So listen, Jesus has not lost control, man. Church has not lost control. Saw the false Christ, saw the false prophet, and there will be others as well that enter into that same spirit. The Antichrist will take what he had promised Jesus, Do you remember when he tempted Jesus? He said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. When Jesus said, no, I don't want it your way. I want it God's way. It was Satan offering Eve the fruit of the garden. Here, Jesus, here's all the nations. They can all be yours. And Jesus knew the prophecies concerning him. The nations belonged to him. But he didn't want it at the hand of Satan. He wanted it at the hand of his father right? We don't want anything at the hand of Satan. We want everything by the hand of God. You want to see the miraculous power of God delivering that to you. And Jesus wanted that. But Satan then ends up taking all the the kingdoms of this world and making them, trying to make them the kingdoms of the Antichrist. This false prophet, though, is not a king. He will not exalt himself. He's going to come and he's going to point everybody to the worship of the Antichrist. Now, does that remind you again what the scriptures teach us, that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak of himself, he speaks of the Son and he speaks of the Father. As You, you can't make this stuff up, seriously. The, the false prophet, as the Holy Spirit, will point all attention to the Antichrist in the same way that the Holy Spirit came to your heart and revealed Jesus to you. That kind of power is going to cause all the people of the earth to want to follow after him. And then also we realize he's performing miracles that are, that are happening. Think about, think about this, that he makes fire come down out of heaven. Now if you remember, we studied two witnesses, they were doing the same thing. Can you imagine if we didn't have the book of Revelation and these two men of God, they really are men of God, they can call fire down from heaven, but then suddenly the Antichrist shows up and he calls fire down from heaven. If we didn't have the word of the Lord, that so clearly lays the roadmap for us that we could walk through these times with understanding. If you didn't have the Holy Spirit in any kind of discernment, do you see how easy it would be for a season of confusion and manipulation of the entire earth? So this guy, and you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jim. Uh, Satan can't call down fire from heaven. I beg to differ. In the book of Job, do you remember that Satan got permission and he brought fire down from heaven to consume the animals and the, ser- the, the servants of Job. It's not outside of his ability. So then, now that the whole world is impressed, hey, you know what? Maybe they'll be even embracing the idea, because I've had people tell me this before. Well, Jesus had the Christ spirit. He had entered into this, Christ revelation, understanding, empowerment that many great leaders have entered into. And in so they'll give you this whole list of religious leaders. And maybe people will just be saying, hey, listen, this, these, this man is doing exactly what Jesus did. This is a, another demonstration of one of those religious leaders that tapped into some kind of power. And the people end up being impressed. And this is what the, 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 the false prophet does he tells those who live on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life and so what the antichrist is going to do is he's going to ask the nations of the world now if you picture that the temple being rebuilt in jerusalem for three and a half years the jews have been worshiping according to the scriptures the the antichrist breaks the covenant with the jewish people He rages even against the nations and the false prophet becomes an advocate for him and he gets the whole world to come together to build an image to the Antichrist in the temple that at that place he can be worshiped. You know what Satan's trying to do? He's trying to fulfill all the prophecies that concerning the Mount Zion and Jerusalem, that all the nations of the earth will one day in the kingdom of God come and worship in Jerusalem. And so Satan's trying to do the exact same thing. But here, as as we're wrapping this up, we realize that he will instruct all those on the earth to receive the mark of the beast. In verse 16 of Revelation 13, he causes all the small and the great rich and poor free and slaves to be given the mark on the right hands and on their foreheads i think what's been amazing to me is how easy it is to get leaders down to the the most suffering person on the street to conform yeah. Yeah. and that's the, the small and the great the rich and the poor and tomorrow on on my video if you re, if you open that up tomorrow on the website i've got some information about some technology you know it's like the technology is already there for you to be able to swipe your hand and be able it's determined whether you can buy or sell the stage is already set but this is going to be aligned with worship of the beast And so it will contain the mark on the hand, the mark of 666, which it says is the number of a man. Let's remind ourselves that man was created on the sixth day. The seventh day is the Lord's. Seven is the number of completion. God's number would be 777. The mark of a man is 666. If we think about it, man was created on the sixth day. Goliath, it says in the scriptures, who opposed God, was six cubits tall, had six pieces of armor, and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels. The scriptures, why do they tell us all that? So that we might realize in any generation that we live, we are in a spiritual battle. That's what we're up against. Nebuchadnezzar built an image to himself. And and if you didn't fall down and worship it, you would be cast into a fiery furnace. And the scriptures go, go into detail. It says it was 60 cubits tall, six cubits wide, and six instruments of music called the people to come. And worship, And The spiritual battle is happening, and we find out as we read this passage, and I know that this is brutal, but all those who will not worship the Antichrist and take the mark of the beast says the means of execution of the day will be beheading. And I know that that's really brutal, but it's gonna be the means by which he does it. And I think it's because of the fact that the prophecies were given that the, the Messiah would crush the head of the serpent. And so what the serpent wants to do is crush the heads of the people that don't follow him. I, I never cease to be amazed. This week during one of the videos, an angel is going to fly around the earth and we find out he's going to be preaching the eternal gospel. It's not the gospel of grace that saves people. It's the eternal gospel. And what gospel is that? That, that from eternity, God has said, these will be the unfolding events and I will rise up with my Messiah and I will be victorious. It's so amazing as we study these scriptures, we find out at the end that Satan and, Satan the dragon and the Antichrist and the false prophet will all be cast into the lake of fire. God's gonna destroy evil in every one of its forms. Can I just read this Revelation 20 verse one and close with this? I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand and he took hold of the dragon, the serpent of old who was the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer till the thousand years were completed. After that, he'll be released for a short time but it's all gonna be wrapping up. Isn't that beautiful? Just think about this. When Jesus died on the cross, he went and he grabbed the keys of death and of hell. And he's had them in heaven the entire time. He's watching us walk through this world and knowing that we're facing the same battles and struggles against sin that he did. But he struggled against it to the point of death. None of us have struggled against sin to the point of death yet. But Jesus took those keys of death and of hell and he's had them in heaven the entire time. And he's watching us fight every battle. He's watching us fight every struggle of the things that are going on right now. But he's still got the keys. And the scripture teaches very clearly that, you know what? Jesus is going to say, basically. Uh, it's a beautiful picture of him saying, my work is done. I'm going to hand the keys to an angel. And that angel's going to come down and he's going to bind Satan, the dragon, the antichrist, the false prophet. He's going to unlock the abyss. He's going to throw them into that place. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. So I want to encourage all of us today, just really fight the good fight of faith. If God be for you, who can be against you? If you fought a battle and the consequences and the price was greater than you thought... When you stepped out to do what you felt like the Lord wanted you to do, you have to understand this, that sometimes we obey the Lord as Jesus did the Father. And sometimes it can take us on a really rough road. And Jesus had a bad week like none of us have ever had a bad week. But the Bible says, because he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, God has given to him a name above every other name that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm telling you, you've got a new name written in heaven as well. You've got a new name, a more glorious name, a name only given to the faithful. So you fight, you pray, you press on, you believe, and you inherit everything that Jesus Christ came to give you. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up, Lord. I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, it's such a privilege to be a part of the army of God. It's such a privilege, Lord God. And I pray, Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would come and just strengthen everyone in their body, mind, and spirit. Let every believer here today, Lord, experience a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. Let the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead quicken your mortal body right now. In Jesus' name, I pray, Father, that a resolve, a courage, a boldness. I pray eyes on heaven, eyes on the victory, eyes on the future, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would break the fear of man. It's a snare. I pray, Father, the, the, the need, the need that comes out of man's lost identity with you, that would cause him to follow anybody or anything. I, I pray, God, neediness would be broken off your people. They wouldn't need the praises of men. They, they wouldn't cower under the criticisms of men. I pray, Father, that they would not worry about how someone glanced at them the tone of voice they used. I I pray, God, for a greater boldness and courage to fall upon your people in this day. I thank you, Lord God, because you said in your word that in the hour of darkness, the glory of the Lord would come upon your people. When a darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, I will rise upon you and my glory will be seen upon you. So I pray, Father, your glory upon your people settled. People would see it in their faces. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you've never met Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity today to meet him. You know, coming to church, that won't change you. Listening to me, that won't change you. Good works won't change you. The change has to happen in the heart. It happens by a miracle. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, it's not of works, so no one can boast. If you've never met Jesus as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity today. I want to ask you to do two things, and trust me, it's not a formula. But I want to lead us in a prayer. If you've not met Jesus, to, to, to declare with your heart, and speak from your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to give an opportunity for you to join us in prayer. If you're saying to me, Pastor Jim, I want to be saved today. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to know I'm on the right side in the end of all things. I want to know I'm on the right side. First thing I'm going to ask you to do is just raise your hand, saying, Pastor Jim, I want to be included in that prayer. Secondly, if you do raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to come to the front. And I want to pray for you in front of the people. Yes, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. And the thing is this, is that we never wrap up a service without giving an opportunity for you to give your heart to Jesus because it's the most important thing that you could ever do, ever, ever. If you've not met the Lord and you want him in your heart today, would you just lift up your hands saying, Pastor Jim, I want to be included in this closing prayer. Thank you, Lord. You are so good, and you are so faithful. Bless these people, Lord, as they leave. Bless them, Lord, in their families. Bless them in their singleness, their marriages. Bless them, oh God, in the roof over their head, the vehicles that drive, the animals or plants that are in their care. Father, I pray, Lord God, in the call of that you have upon their life and their purpose and in their destiny that they would be blessed. I pray God that you would bless their children and their grandchildren and their great grandchildren. I pray Lord the blessing of the healing of the Lord upon them. I pray Lord that angelic protection would surround them wherever they go. I pray Father that the miraculous provision of the kingdom of God would be theirs. I ask, O God, that you would give them ears to hear your voice, to know your will, to hear you whether to go to the right or to the left. I pray, Lord God, a favor upon their lives. Let them walk in favor, favor with you, Lord God, and favor with men who want to see the right way. Father, I pray, O Lord, let your glory rest upon them. We thank you for this time to come together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.